Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You have offended this podcast and you have offended the entire movie making community. That woman deserves her revenge. Oh, you found it now. This is You Have Offended This Podcast, and we watch martial arts movies. My name is Mike McCarran, and with me, as always, is a man who will pluck your eye out for the slightest of offenses, Chad Lindsay. Oh. How you doing, buddy? Stay out my fish heads. I'm good, man. I'm good, 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 good. <laughs> Welcome I'm, to season I'm, four, my man. Opening I can't believe it, four. man. Season four. We made it four seasons with this shit, and we're going with... Uh, a, a, a film I really like. This is a great movie. Kill movie Bill rules. Part 2. Kill Bill Part 2. This movie rules. I really like it. I, I And you said this to me the other night. I arguably like this movie better than the first part. I think that... I think that it's a better film where it's more, char- more character-driven. Whereas the first film is loaded with violence and it's amazing right you've got the animation scene you've got the crazy 88s which is like insane several fights there go go like there's so much that happens in that movie that is just action-packed um where this kind of fills in the gaps and i'm actually really glad that quentin tarantino decided to split this into two movies as opposed to shorten what he wanted to do into a single yes. film. I think it it just plays way better. And I really like the edit here. I like the editing a lot. And I like that it's two very distinct films stylistically. Like the first one, like you said, is more... It's martial artsy. It's very stylized. Not that this one's not, but it's stylized in a very different way. Like they always say the first one's like a, a Hong Kong-y martial arts, even a modern Japanese film. Whereas this one is very... Uh, spaghetti western in parts Sergio Leone kind of where it's much more of a western film and shot in that manner and I like that well a lot. there's there's two uh in Kill Bill 1 we kind of have a, a historical backstory that talks about the origin of Oren Ishii and it's done in animation and in this film we have a historical flashback which is the cruel tutelage of Pai Mei, which is yep. awesome. Both of those flashbacks uh, serve themselves very well as just standalone short films. Like they're oh, just yeah. really, they're just really, really good. And they do serve the main story, but they're such a great little self-contained story that it's, it's almost like it's a, it's a beautiful little short film in and of itself, you know, kind of tucked in this two chapter film. Yeah, it's a, it's a little speed bump of an arc in the middle of this long two-film arc of the bride trying to get to Bill. And those two little arcs within are really nice little front-to-back little stories within, right? I really, really yeah. like those two a lot. I love that. That animation sequence in part one is one of my favorite things ever. I loved it. Oh, um, yes. So, yeah, this is part two. And this takes us through the last section where the bride has to deal with uh, Bill's brother Bud and the other uh, female member of the team L Driver and finally get to Bill and sort out uh, what happened to her her daughter which we saw her uh, quote unquote lose 
in the first movie where she was in a coma for four years. So mm-hmm. I like this a lot. We get the opening here uh, of the the quick little shot of the bride Uma with her head on the on the ground there, and her teeth are all smashed out, and she's all bloody. And you get the the Bill, it's your babe, boom, and her head blows apart basically. Which how the fuck she survived that I don't know, but that's a good that's a strong open for a movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, in the in in the version that I watched, she was driving in the car, speaking directly into the camera, saying, "Yes, that, that she... jumps to it. Yeah. yeah, it goes from okay. that to the car yeah. to the car scene." Oh, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we get that. We get the car scene, and then we find out that it wasn't the wedding; it was a wedding rehearsal where everybody was gassed, and we actually get to see what happened because we don't get that in the first film. Which, honestly, I think the fact that it's out of chronological order works from the standpoint of keeping you intrigued and keeping the pacing of the film. Because all of those really cool shots from the first film with, you know, the deadly viper assassination squad standing (laughs) over her body and her last words being, you know, Bill, it's your baby. And, like, like it it just engages your mind to human beings just try to put the pieces together and if you don't give them all the pieces in good storytelling um we'll we'll thirst for that that structure boredom um yeah and i think it's just done really really well because if it hadn't been done in chronological i don't know if i would have been as pulled into it because by the time we get to this wedding chapel scene and she hears the flute playing she goes outside and it's bill playing the flute you 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 know what's going to happen, and you are fucking scared for everybody in that church. Her her face when she hears that flute is great. Like Uma Thurman does a great job there, where it's like, am I am I hearing that? Is that what There's, the fuck? Like, is it in my head? Am I fantasizing this? Is it real? Like, all of that is on her face. It's really good. There's a couple of moments in this scene, and this is when you've got actually really good professional actors, right? And everybody. I've made fun of David Carradine in the past for being a shitty actor. Like, I have, right? So I'm not going to say I didn't do that. But I did when he was playing Kane in Kung Fu, and I was still mad about the whole Bruce Lee thing. So I may have unfairly said some shit. Um, And, you know, I heard some things that he was really hard to work with with Chuck on Lone Wolf McQuaid. So I kind of always had a little bit of a side eye for him. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Um, But in this film... And in this scene specifically, fuck, is he good? Is he he's ever really, good in this? He's tremendous. I, I've always had the same thing with him because he was never a martial artist when he got Kung Fu. And he just sort of took on this persona over his life of this martial arts guru. He put out fucking Tai Chi DVDs and stuff. And yeah, I was like, you remember that in the, in the like, goddamn 90s? He'd be on TV. He's like, silk, hello. Fucking yeah. kimono bullshit. Like, bitch, you're not a martial artist. Like, you're and just I, raking that, in. That, yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like his fuck fucking name. Off. Yeah, you're off not your really Kane. You're not Kane. And he's just yeah. like, "Hi, I'm David Carradine. I'm going to help you unlock the secrets of Tai Chi." And I was like, "Bitch, are you? You know, like yeah. you no, don't you're see not. me telling you how to make the perfect fucking Blizzard down at the Dairy Queen. Like, I don't right? know. I never used the Blizzard machine. I got no Teach right to unlock video the secrets of my that. liquor cabinet, you motherfucker. Like, you don't know yeah. what you're doing. So anyway, I, I have always had a chip on my shoulder about this guy. Yeah, but. That said, you're right. In this movie, and particularly in this scene, he's he's outstanding. He's outstanding. Like, 
the way he plays that flute. And by the way, that flute that he's playing is from Kung Fu, the show. Oh, yes. Like, That's you a know, prop he brought. You know, Tarantino, Tarantino loves to steal homage, you know, however you want to say it. However but you want to frame that up, yeah. I mean, well, I, I really like his work, right? So there's a lot yep. of people that say, oh, you know, he stole this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he probably did. He took it, made it his own, worked it into his things. So I, I don't have a problem with it, but I know a lot of people do. Um, yep. But, yeah, that that flute was awesome, having it in there. Uh, but when they start speaking, Uma's still very confident, but she's also like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck's going to happen? Like, you can yeah. see... She's playing two emotions simultaneously, and she's doing it very, very well as, you know, Bill asks, you know, about this new guy and the fact that she's pregnant and what does he do and what does she do? And he's just so slow and measured in the scene. And the fact that it's in black and white and the wind is blowing as they're having their conversation in that um, facing each other two shot. It's just it's just really good, man. It's just really good. And the, the where she's playing it with that, like. I'm sort of happy to see you, but are you going to be nice? Like, why are you yes. here? What are you doing? Like, she's got that real tentative, you know, like like a chipmunk coming to take a nut from your hand. Like, is this motherfucker going to grab me and kill me, yeah. or can I get this and leave? Like, she's got that kind of hesitancy there, and it's really good. Like, it plays really well in the scene. And I like, like you said, as they're talking... He cuts, he cuts back and forth from their faces to their feet, taking one single step at a time, closer and closer yes. and closer, until they're literally face-to-face while they're talking. Yeah. Like, uncomfortably close. When and, uh, they... It's great. When they... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. When they no, go please. inside the church, and they said, uh, oh, this is my father. The <laughs> the The way that... David Carradine and Uma Thurman play off each other like several times throughout that conversation with, you know, her fiance. It's amazing because when you said this is my father and the look of shock, but also, okay, I'm going to continue this facade. (laughs) Like he just, (laughs) he just kind of, he's just kind of has this look of surprise. And (laughs) there's a, there's a scene where, cause Bill is the fucking like, you know, he said, how did you find me? And he says, you know, I'm the man just so casually. And when he said, uh, isn't it, isn't it bad luck for the groom to see the bride in her wedding dress before (laughs) the ceremony? And he says, Oh, guess I just like to live dangerously. Uma Thurman's reaction, Uma Thurman's (laughs) reaction to him saying that was like, she holds it in, but she's terrible. It's incredibly entertaining, dude. It's incredibly oh, entertaining. It's really good. It's, you know, she knows that he's, what does he do? He owns a record store or some shit? Like, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. He, he owns anything. a record he store in, in a record El store. Paso. Yeah. yeah. I like to live dangerously. And she's slaughtered hundreds of people yes. <laughs> along with Bill yes. in her life. Oh, yeah. and, oh, I like to live dangerously. Mm. I like to live mm. dangerously. Well, <laughs> you, you fucking are, dude. You are, because yeah. you, are, you are about to marry a black mamba, one of the top <laughs> assassins in the world, and her ex-boyfriend <laughs> slash boss is there to kill you uh, if, <laughs> if he gets a wild hair across his ass. And... <laughs> Unbeknownst to you, but known to us. <laughs> you I did, are I, in serious grave fucking danger. <laughs> I did find it interesting because 
Sam fucking Jackson is playing the piano player in this scene. Yep. Um, ridiculously small role. And the preacher keep says twice, he's like, Rufus is the man. He's like, yeah, I played with every band. Like, so he's a musician, right? And he's like, I played yep. with this band and that band, and I've done this in Texas and that. I'm really good. And he's like, like I said, Rufus is the man. And then when she comes out, she's like, how did you find me? And he's like, I'm the man. Like, um, yep. I think that's just a reflection between, you know, the group of people she's with now. Like, the man is the guy that, you know, is the piano player that knows all kinds of musicians. But yep. in the world of fucking assassins bill <laughs> is the man and that's the that's the the man you don't want to uh you don't want to a cross. world of difference between the, those two the men <laughs> yeah there's a, a when, fan theory that i don't think is that isn't true uh i think according to quentin but but that came up with sam jackson in this scene that it's that it's uh jules winfield from pulp fiction had oh, gone on i don't think so no, 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 I don't think so either. But because he turns well, around cool. and yeah, he yeah. says, when when they say, you know, all the bands he's played with, and he says, I've been a drifter, and I've been a blah, 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 and a blah, 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 and he names off some other bands. Yes. But be- because he says drifter at the end of uh, th- here, and in Pulp Fiction, he says, I'm just going to walk the earth and yeah. know, meet people and get in adventures. The fans were like, oh, that's fucking Jules. But it's not. It's I don't think it no. is. It's just, he's the piano player. In this small little Albuquerque town or wherever the fuck they are. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Because Sam Jackson's in, like, fucking all of Quentin's movies. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He was right? Steven in Django. Does that mean, like, Jules went back in time and became the, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Jules' great-great-grandfather? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, yeah. I actually find fan theories interesting sometimes to read. I think they're just kind of fun that people see, you know, certain things or make connections. But, I mean, a lot of times they're just doing the old christina ricci and uh you know yeah going a little too far little too far so yeah they start going into this uh this wedding rehearsal here and i really like where uh the bride i'll call her beatrix where beatrix gives bill a kiss here and is convinced now that he is there to be on her side Oh, and yes. then they have that pan shot where it pulls back out the door. You see Bill, and they pan out down the stairs into the parking lot of the dirt, and the four other members of the Diva Squad, they're there with their guns and their black yeah. suits. And then the crane pull up and to the left there, and then you just hear the... And the machine guns go off, and fucking everybody gets killed. It's a beautiful it's a shot. It's an, it's an interesting yeah. shot because... They either they either had because at first I'm like oh that that's a guy with a steady cam walking backwards, um, and and walked outside and then stood on a platform of a crane and got lifted up like I was just trying that's to what I would assume, piece yeah. together how they did it but it's a great shot it's a really really great shot and it's a yeah. great way to open it because now you know what happened how everybody was even though you saw the end of that scene already. Um, that part with Bill and with everybody showing up just makes it a little bit, just makes it a little bit more, more meat to it for you, the audience. And it gives you a reminder of what happened. And you're like, yeah, I want, I want her to kill Bud, L and Bill. Yeah, no, I dig that a lot, man. That's one of my favorite shots. And then we get the cut to color out of the, uh, the black and white scene and the shot of the desert here. And we get... This great scene with Bill 
and his brother Bud at Bud's trailer, the great Michael Madsen, coming out here. He's fucking... There are there are movies that he's been in that have been real stinkers. Yeah. Um, and I think that writers slash directors that know what to do with him, uh, fucking kill it with him, you know? Like, yeah. They, they kill it. Like, man, that's like some of the best stuff I've ever seen unbelievable and i've seen several of his other films where you know he was like you know following people and just you know acting like an ass like they just i just feel that he was wasted in so many of the films that i've seen um yeah and that's on the that's on that's not on him that's on the writers directors because obviously this guy can pull out a great performance well you put him in this you put him in reservoir dogs like He's good, man. Like, he can carry a scene, yeah. and he's got that gravitas of emotion. When you see him here with the shitty cowboy hat and the wife beater, and he's drinking his beer in his trailer, and Bill's trying to say, listen, fucking Beatrix is coming, and you fucked with her, and she's coming for you, so you need to get your shit in, the, in order here. And he's just like, you know what? I'm out. I'm fucking out, man. Like, he's, you see he's totally lost it. When this scene starts, it's quite interesting because it's basically a typical shot reverse shot to the point where I was like, oh, I don't even think that Carradine and Madsen were on the set at the same time because there's no two shots. There's no composition. It's basically Bill talking at the camera and then reversed to Bud talking at the camera. Um, And they go back and forth and they're arguing. And then all of a sudden they do a profile shot of bill and he leans in and he's like you have to get over being mad at me this isn't about us and then they cut to some really cool shots of michael madsen uh from a profile as well and now he's giving his point far more eloquently so um and then suddenly they're sharing the shot together so it's just a way that yeah yeah like tarantino's like they're far apart and then we're getting uh, profiles, and then all of a sudden we're getting the two shots when they've both said their piece, which is amazing because Madsen finally ends it with listen, uh, what we did to that girl was wrong. She deserves her revenge, and we deserve to die. <laughs> and then yep. he says, but so does she. So does she. <laughs> with yeah, the big smile. Like, but I guess we'll see, won't we? Like Fucking uh, great. I I just thought it was great the way it was shot where they're separate and then uh, closer and then finally ending on the two shot. Um, I thought it was masterful. I thought it was really great the way he evolved that conversation. Yeah, he verbally and then cinematically brought them together. Yes. Um, there's two things I want to say about cars here in that scene very prominently in the background of Bill's yes. single shot is the Mangusta car in the back, which... Is is named after a mongoose, which is one of those few animals that can fuck up a venomous snake. That can fight itself. snakes, yeah. That can fight snakes and actually win. Fantastic use of that car. The second thing is that when we cut the scene now and we get Bud driving into the parking lot of his strip club that he works as a shitty bouncer at. If you look in the parking lot there, it's very quick, but it's in the background. There's a white Honda Civic in the background. Oh, that's just the, like what Butch was driving. The same. That's the same car that Butch drove 
in Pulp Fiction, and it's the same car that Pam Greer drove in Jackie Brown. That's awesome, because that That's was like an same. 82 or an 83, because Legier had that blue 82 yes. Civic, which is the same body style. Um, yep. And then I think they changed that body style in 84, so that would have been like an 82, 83. That's awesome. I did not notice that on this watch. Yeah, I, I never notice noticed it. Never noticed it before I, I was doing some research for this, and then I somebody pointed that out, so I was looking for it. And I was like, holy shit, it's right there. Right there in the parking lot is that same Honda Civic they used. So, yeah, well, and then... We gotta get, get this into this scene. This scene's fucking yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Bud walks in. We get a little conversation with Sid Hag, but then he walks into the owner's office, and it's Larry fucking Bishop, and he, <laughs> dude, like he's he so fucking annihilates great. This scene. this scene, man. He kills it. <laughs> you know what's hilarious too about this scene is this scene wasn't initially written like this. It was written as you know he gets chewed out a little bit for for not showing up. Madsen showed up on set with that cowboy hat on, and that's Madsen's cowboy hat. And right. Tarantino fucking hated it. And he tried to get him to take it off, and Madsen was like, no, man, I like it for the character. Like, I think it's, I'm going to wear it for the character. And Tarantino fucking hated it. And he rewrote this scene so that his boss shits on Bud with that, oh, that stupid fucking hat. Take that stupid fucking hat off and tells him and chews really? him out about the hat in the scene because Tarantino hated it in real life. That, <laughs> That's fucking amazing. I thought that made that, me laugh out loud. Just getting some revenge. Awesome. I fucking yeah, that, love that. This actor's awesome, though. I love him. So, yeah, so he did, he did numerous uh, biker movies, and then it was... Uh, Tarantino was speaking to somebody about Larry Bishop, like a female actress. She's like, oh, I know Larry. And uh, Tarantino was like, you know Larry? Oh, <laughs> no, really? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll go over. Let's go over to his place. So Tarantino went over to his place, and these two hit it off really well. And then Tarantino was like, Larry, you have to make your own biker movie. This is your destiny. So then uh, Larry <laughs> got this role in Kill Bill 2, and then yep. he made the he made his own film uh, called uh, Hellride, I believe it was, with Eric Balfour and a few other actors. And it's not a bad movie; it's just like a gritty biker movie. But yeah, that's how Tarantino met Larry Bishop, uh, oh, got him this role, and then got Larry to basically write and direct his own biker movie. Um, <laughs> and he said, "It's your destiny." And Larry Bishop was like, "I never even thought that was my destiny." But when Tarantino tells you it's your destiny, you should probably fucking do it. <laughs> so probably <laughs> get on that shit. I can just walk up to people and start telling them what their destinies are and see if they fucking do it. Maybe I can be a great right? news. <laughs> yeah. Just write it on a piece of paper and just give it some random person. Your destiny yeah. is to climb Mount Everest. Like, what? what? Yeah. Wait, what? What the fuck? I don't even like to I'd like to fly. thank that stranger in the park that day. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, it fucking worked. <laughs> Dude, his line in this scene where, where he says, you're about as useful as an asshole right here and right points here. to his elbow. <laughs> yeah. And he sells it so well, it's amazing. It's so good. His fucking stare as he looks at Bud basically gives him the week off. Yep. He fucking won't come in on time, and he's got the cowboy hat. But let's just, I just want to talk about the next scene when Bud gets back to his trailer yes, and stops yeah. his truck, and he's about to walk inside, and he just fucking stops. He knows something's up. So, yeah, he might be, like, a piece of shit fucking you know, bouncer at a titty bar in the middle of nowhere, living in a trailer. 
but he's also a fucking former hitman. So he knows something's up. And he the way that up. it's shot is so good. It, it's almost, it reminded me when I saw it of that scene where Billy's looking out into the jungle in Predator. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. Right? Where he just stops and he looks out. And then, but the difference is in this scene, he doesn't see anything, but he kind of looks up at the brim of his hat and kind of smiles a little bit like, yeah, yeah, she's here. She's fucking here. She's here. Yeah. And then he just goes into his trailer and they, they get that low shot of the little crack under the fucking, door. That crane shot was dope because they're up at oh. the top of the door and it just slowly goes down under the trailer, under the steps. And there there's Beatrix uh, wearing a goddamn balaclava leather jacket yep. and a sword. And, and her Hattori Hanzo sword. And her Hattori Hanzo sword from the first film. But when they start playing uh, Johnny Cash on the record player, yeah. I fucking love it. Because he's rocking and they just hear the song Satisfied Mind. And she's sneaking up on the trailer. And she slips down and peeks under the crack in the door and just sees his boots in a rocking chair. So she knows where he is in the room relative to the door. And a dog starts barking. Yep. And when the dog barks, the record stops and there's the exterior shot of her standing in front of the trailer and the camera uh, flips up and you can see Michael Madsen looking out the window, surveilling the area, doesn't see anything, closes the window, goes back, starts the record from the beginning and basically puts us right back to the very beginning where we were before the dog barked. Yes. I found that circular nature of that. I just found that really fucking satisfying. Just all of a sudden the music starts up again and we're back at the same spot. It's kind of like when you play a video game and you're trying to be stealthy and you spook somebody and you're like, oh, this guy's kind of looking for me. And you go hide and wait for that character to reset. It's kind of yep. like it's kind of like that. I thought it was awesome. And that concludes part one of the podcast. Come back tomorrow for part two, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for three, four, and the exciting conclusion, part five. If you would like to get the full podcasts again, go to patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast to become a patron. For as low as $5 a month, you can get all of our full podcasts on Sunday night before everybody else. If you don't want to do that, you can go to offendedpodcast.com and you can buy some merchandise there. That'll give us a little bit of a help and it'll also give you something cool to rep the podcast that you know you love. You can also follow us on our social media. So go to Twitter at YHOTP, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can just search You Have Offended This Podcast. Leave us your film recommendations there. Anything you want to see, we are open to as long as it has kick and punching and some violence. So we'd love to hear from you. Please engage with us. Please leave us a review anywhere you download your podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. If you could, please also recommend us to your friends, family, loved ones, hated ones. We will take recommendations anywhere we can get them. Thanks once again for listening, and you have offended this podcast. We'll be back in your ears soon.